Startle us, O God, with your truth, your love, your hope, your justice, and your peace. Open to us the truth of your word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It seems to me like it's been kind of a dizzying week. High hopes for a vaccine are updated daily, but for most of us, the ability to get it is still pretty far away. As summer made its way into fall, many of us found modified ways of doing a few normal things, but meanwhile, the numbers were climbing, and now we are trying to figure out how to make the best of a diminished Thanksgiving, not to mention Christmas. In the midst of all of this, I looked to this Sunday's appointed scriptures, hoping to find there a softball from the Bible. Comfort, comfort ye my people. Or, come to me, all of you who labor and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And instead, today we get Jesus at the last judgment, separating the sheep from the goats. What is God up to this week? This passage is a difficult read. So let's begin by acknowledging that this is a parable. It is a story that Jesus crafts in order to catch our attention and make a point. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann reminds us that because this is a parable, we know that this story is not description. It is imagination. This is not on-the-scene reporting about what takes place when we die. It is an act of Jesus' imagination, and he wants us swept up in it. I have a three-year-old son at home, and his imagination is on fire. Much of the time these days, if you ask him, he is not a little boy. He is a baby elephant. Everything that he eats, though it may look like grapes or bacon to you, is actually peanuts. He is so fully in character that the little stinker will refuse to do things like pull up his own pants, saying, I don't have any hands, Daddy, just this trunk. And when he's not a baby elephant, he loves to get out his tools and be a worker in the yard with me, sometimes for hours on end. He calls me Mr. Dad and will only answer me if I speak to him in my worker voice and if I call him by the name Mr. Beagle. And we have no idea where he got that name. He is a three-year-old boy and his imagination is on fire. Imagination is about being so immersed in a story that it becomes your whole reality, your vision of what might be. This is what Jesus hopes to draw us into when he tells us a parable. He is creating a world of possibility, a vision, and he wants us swept up in that vision. In this parable, 
this imaginative story, this vision, Jesus invites us to see him. This is a chance to meet Jesus. He asks us to imagine that at the last judgment, all of the nations are gathered before the Son of Man, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, with the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. What separates them? What separates them is that when they were confronted confronted in life by the hungry, the thirsty, the alien, the naked, the sick, and the prisoners, some responded with compassion and care, but others did nothing. The profound and radical element of the story is when Jesus tells them that in these this that in these vulnerable people, who Jesus refers to as the least of these, when he tells them about his interaction with them, he says that they were actually meeting him. Just as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. It is a powerful image. And it has real-world application for any of us who have ever looked into the eyes of a needy person on a street corner or in the median. You may not realize how much traffic Knox Presbyterian Church gets from people here in Cincinnati seeking help with rent or utilities or transportation. They need help avoiding eviction or getting to work or making a good start after getting out of prison. They make appointments to come and see Jana and me, and thanks to your generosity, we can help many of them, especially in these days when joblessness is so high and the risk of homelessness is so great. Helping is complicated. These people share stories of real hardship and tragic mental illness and the structures and systems that make it so hard to break the grip of poverty. The pastor in the church I served in Chicago said, in reference to today's parable, he would say that Jesus does not invite us to try to distinguish the genuine need. He tells us to see the face of Christ in all and to help. Genuine need is not at all hard to find, and in that sense, he would say Matthew 25 makes me pretty uncomfortable when I think about it much. I have to agree. How can we help everyone who has a need? What is the right way to do it? How do we change these systems and structures that make suffering so hard to escape? These questions are not easy. I have never managed to make peace with what is absolutely the right thing to do or the right amount to help. As long as suffering is out there, maybe we're not supposed to be at peace with it. As long as suffering is out there, maybe we are not supposed to be at peace with it. The Reverend Diane Moffat is the executive director of the Presbyterian Mission Agency. She's the leader of our denomination's Matthew 25 movement. Knox has made a commitment to that movement. 
we've committed to its three church-wide priorities, building congregational vitality, eradicating systemic poverty, and dismantling structural racism. Diane Moffat says that we cannot fix what we do not face. So even when the reality of suffering is hard to look at, even when we know that the problems are too big for us to solve on our own, we have to be willing to face them, to see suffering, and to say that it is there, and to do something about it. And in this parable, Jesus tells us that that is the way for us to see him. Here's an insight about this parable I had not thought about before this past week. Diane Moffat also points out in a recent sermon that the goats and the sheep, the people on the Jesus' left hand and the people on his right hand, none of them knew they were looking at Jesus. Both of those groups ask him, Lord, when did we see you? So it's not as if there are some of us who are enlightened, who can get it, who know the truth and have the answers, and then there's this other group who cannot possibly understand these things. The distinction seems to be that some have a willingness to see things for what they really are, to see the realities staring them in the face, while others prefer to pretend otherwise. Martin Niemöller was a German pastor during World War II. He initially supported Hitler, but eventually he became part of the opposition. He was imprisoned and he narrowly escaped execution. He is widely known for his poem, First They Came. A part of the poem reads this way. First they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. And then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. It is obvious to claim that suffering is hardest on the one who suffers, and that is what's most important. But it is also important to remember that the very existence of suffering and injustice, or the act of pretending it does not exist, those things harm all of us. The fabric of our communities is weakened when we allow injustice to go on. That is one of the reasons our church engages in so many acts that seek to serve people who are suffering. That is why this year we engaged in an act of confession and truth-telling about racism in our own history. That is why during this pandemic we continue to act generously toward people on the margins, and particularly communities of color who have been hurt most by the pandemic. Even though we can't solve every situation, we can work to make our communities stronger for the people who need it most. 
That work has to continue because ignoring suffering weakens everyone and because paying attention to it makes us whole. Here's the thing. As I said in the beginning, this scripture is a parable. So it is not description. It is an invitation to imagination. Who in the world, upon reading this story and being swept up in its wisdom, is going to aspire to be one of the goats? No one. Of course not. The possibility of this story is that we might be swept up into being more like one of the sheep. We might see suffering more honestly and live more generously. We might see so clearly that we even get a glimpse of Christ, an encounter with God. And that's where we see that, yes, this parable has a social message and it also has a personal one. Our humanity is diminished when we allow suffering to continue. And our humanity is enriched when we see suffering and act. Coming back from imagination for a moment, the reality is that all of us are human. So sometimes we live like sheep, and sometimes we live like goats. Sometimes we help, other times we do not. And no matter how much we help, we cannot fix everything. So what are we supposed to do? Dr. Amy Acton, who most of you know from her time as director of Ohio's health department, she published a video this past Friday. In that video, she of course warned against the threats of the virus and entreated us to be safe. And she also said that there is nothing more important now than for us to be compassionate and kind toward one another. We are headed into difficult days with a third wave of the virus that will cause sickness and death. This third wave will also have dramatic social costs as people find themselves and their families hungry and jobless and also frustrated, depressed, and alone. You may find yourself feeling those feelings. Be gentle with yourself and with others, she said. Reach out in kindness to people in your circle who need it. Do not quit in your efforts to encourage healthcare workers and essential workers. Do not allow your generosity to wane. Do not isolate yourself from others, for it is physical, not social distancing that we seek. We need one another. Even with our masks on or through a screen, we can look into one another's eyes and acknowledge the humanity of the person who is looking back at us. These are also the eyes of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Amen.